and welcome to H5 Explores, a podcast where we dive headfirst into the matters in the minds of legal and compliance professionals. I'm your host, Kimberly Culpepper, and I'm here with Julie Brickle, General Counsel of H5, and Dan Cooper, President of Cooper Strategic Consulting. In today's episode, we're going to explore the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on litigation planning and jury trials. Julie, Dan, thank you for joining me and welcome to the H5 Explorers podcast. Thank you, Kim. Happy to be here. Happy to join. Great. Let's go ahead and get started. Julie, this first question is for you. As we begin to find adjustment and accommodations required by the COVID-19 pandemic, trial lawyers are undoubtedly wondering what's ahead. What are you seeing as you survey the jury trial landscape? COVID-19 means change. So like it or not, We shouldn't assume from what we know from the past. We need to assess and we need to do it now. Essentially reset our thinking, reset our understanding, and take the time now to do that before we get deep into trial prep or trial deadlines. In-house counsel and clients are going to be confronting the same types of choices they've had to make before, but these contexts will be new and the established law may not hold. And trial lawyers will have to make a lot of adjustments to remain effective. So we see courts experimenting. They started by extending deadlines. Now they're trying to find safe ways to move forward, holding video conferences, implementing video sentencing. There's a court in Texas that was perhaps the first to try a Zoom jury trial. And Courts in Florida and Texas are similarly trying to find ways to conduct live jury trials. Julie, what are some of the specific choices when it comes to preparing for and trying cases to a jury? Well, Kim, at a high level, in-house counsel has to be considering the impact of COVID-19 on substance and process. So it starts with the thinking about changes in the jury pool, the choice of trial counsel, what kind of trial logistics the lawyers should advocate for uh, and what they imagine the impact of those logistics to be so that they can make adjustments. can hit the question of what kind of in limine motions to present, whether to have fact and expert witnesses live for depositions or for trial, perhaps whether to waive the right to a jury trial or even whether to take a matter to trial at all. Well, those really suggest significant considerations. So, Dan, let's go to you. Will the challenges to fair and effective jury trials cause jury trials to become a victim of the virus? Well, I certainly hope not, but a little background. The number of civil jury trials was on a steady decline for years before the pandemic. Of the nearly 300,000 federal civil cases terminated in 2017, only about 0.9% resulted in a jury trial. This is less than half of the already low rate from the first half of 2001, when 1.5% of cases went to a jury. For me, the question becomes whether COVID-19 will act to accelerate this downward trend. And the challenges that the pandemic presents have raised questions about the changes that are both necessary and desired if jury trials are to reemerge in a safe, fair, and effective way. So I think 
that the question of the future of jury trials must include not only the issue of whether there will be jury trials, because there will be, but also whether we can address the issues of safety and health while at the same time protecting and maybe even advancing the fairness of the process and the procedures. Very interesting. So let's think about like what's happening on the in-house counsel side. Julie, what do you think may be on the minds of today's in-house counsel regarding jury trials in light of the pandemic? Well, best practices, I think, which should include four main components, a very early analysis of the attitudes of the finder of fact, as we've discussed, early analysis of key facts, testing of initial case themes against those facts, and revising the themes accordingly. So really a very substantive early case assessment that will drive efficiency into the discovery process and help focus the trial team. Then with respect to process, until there are more jury trials in more venues for us to learn from, COVID-19 adjusted procedures and practices are really going to be a best preliminary and experimental. So as in-house counsel, I want to hear my outside counsel's best guess on the discovery and trial mechanics that we should advocate for and what strategies counsel has developed to deal with those new mechanics. So they have to think about discovery, motion and trial practice, voir dire, jury deselection, and trial presentation to a COVID-19 impacted jury. Hmm. So let's go into the specifics. Dan, this one's for you. What potential COVID-19 related changes in jury trial practice and procedures do you think merit particular attention from both in-house and trial counsel? Well, it's probably a little bit of an unfair answer, but I would say all of them. Sometimes I find that it helps to think about jurors as entering a workplace or a classroom. I think managers and administrators in all sorts of settings, including the courtroom setting, are thinking hard about what process and physical adjustments need to be made to create safe environments. And I think these changes, again, both process and in terms of the physical plant, are extensive if you're going to, in fact, make those environments safe and effective for those working or learning there. It seems that courts around the country are doing just what other managers and other administrators are attempting to do. And it will take some time and a lot of trial and error to figure out what changes, what adjustments, what modifications will work in a particular setting. It's clear that not one size fits all is going to be available. So from the summons and screening of potential jurors to the voir dire, the selection from presentations of openings and closings to testimony by fact and expert witnesses, the presentation of documentary evidence from the care of jurors during trial to the creation of an opportunity for full and fair deliberations by a group of six to 12 jurors, the response to COVID-19 on jury trials can be mitigated or exacerbated. And it really falls on the legal community generally. And for a specific trial, the trial teams and their clients on that case to help determine what modifications 
will be made, are needed, and can be implemented. I agree with that, Dan, but I really want to emphasize the potential impact of COVID-19-inspired adjustments on jurors will be deciding the case. The logistics from summoning of jurors to the seating of jurors may create a change in the jury pool and hence a change in the finders of fact or actually listening to your matter. So how will jurors be identified and summoned to appear? Will certain risk factors lead certain prospective jurors to be excused from service? Is that going to depend on it? Probably will depend on whether jurors are going to be called into the courthouse. If so, where they're going to wait while they wait to be called into a particular case. Where would the voir dire take place? What kind of environment and how spread out will people be? The jury pool has changed and it will continue to change, at least for a while. The health and employment status distributions are likely to be very different. And if we are protecting the most vulnerable, then age and socioeconomic status of the jury-eligible individuals is likely to also be altered. So how does this impact on the right to a fair and representative jury pool? Courts will have to work hard to balance the realities of protecting jurors and creating a safe trial environment with the demands of ensuring that each litigant has the opportunity to present their case to a fair and impartial group of jurors. Hmm. So it sounds like each venue is going to have its own challenges and opportunities, depending on the nature of the virus, the number of juries needed, the physical courthouse and courtroom facilities available, local regulations, and, and even the views of the judges and attorneys practicing in the venue. So Dan, you know, how about the potential jurors themselves? What do we have to be sensitive to in regarding the COVID-19 impact? Well, I think that, that it's become pretty clear from most of the survey data that's out there now that jurors will be different. Many of the jurors who do make it into the jury pool may arrive at the courthouse having experienced pandemic-related personal trauma and drama of various sorts. Every juror will have had experiences that are likely to affect them. We have seen in the past that catastrophic events can and often do have profound effects on how jurors see and feel about the world and especially its major institutions and companies. It would be fair to predict even greater anxiety, greater fear, greater distrust among many. We may also see a greater reluctance, even a refusal to serve on juries. Jurors who have recently experienced significant transitional events have often been among the most important to identify because of the increased intensity of their thoughts and their feelings and their resulting leadership potential on a small group of jurors. There also may be an impact if there's even a larger group of jurors who try to avoid jury service. It may be the case that jury pools slant towards those who are less risk adverse, less anxious, and in a better position, both in terms of their health and finances, to be away from home or work 
while the pandemic continues. I would assume that we'll see an altered jury pool with an altered consciousness. And as a result, courts and counsel need to determine what changes in procedures are needed from screening and testing, over-recruiting, advanced juror questionnaires, more individual and extensive jury for dear, more lenient hardship excuses, greater number of peremptory challenges, just to name a few, in order to minimize the COVID-19 impact on the pool so that the most representative and equitable pool of willing and able jurors can be safely gathered for jury selection and jury service. If the pandemic significantly impacts how jurors think and feel, Julie, do you think that the jury voir dire and jury selection process needs a closer look? Well, really, first, I think that lawyers need a closer look. So in-house counsel has to look at their trial counsel and ask, does this particular trial lawyer demonstrate the ability to learn who the jurors really are now? And in courts that permit an active voir dire, drawing jurors out takes an ability to convey trustworthiness through body language, through openness of words and expressions, so that jurors will open up. It requires demonstrating an interest in the jurors and in hearing what they have to say. So those are difficult skills for a lot of we lawyers in the best of circumstances. The stiffness and artificiality that will accompany physical distancing and wearing of masks or video communication is really going to be a barrier for lawyers and has me worried. In-house counsel needs to understand what the new skills are that the trial lawyers need to demonstrate and be able to assess which trial lawyers can develop them, in the, have them or can develop them in the needed time frame. Exactly. And beyond voir dire and jury selection, I do think it's important to keep the eye on the fact that jurors who are eventually seated may possess experience, attitudes, and feelings very different from the pre-pandemic jurors. This may well affect the thematic narrative in light of the new COVID-19 lenses through which jurors will see, feel, and hear your case. Can you follow this theme into the trial and the working environment, the courthouse and the courtroom? My thoughts go quickly to technology. It's popular today to look at remote or virtual answers. But most courts are not at the cutting edge of technology. They weren't pre-pandemic, and they're going to be struggling between the disinclination to innovate during times of uncertainty and a sense of imperative to do so. So we, as lawyers, need to inventory available options to create safer, fairer trials and efficiently test the impact of those choices. If we have an opportunity to be proactive, perhaps we want to make a proposal to the court and adversary that will affect the direction we go, that the court goes. My choice in general would be the means that gives the best access to the jurors. In voir dire, that would be to the jurors' stories. In trial, that would be to the jurors to let them assess witness and lawyer credibility. Traditionally, live choice would be the best. But if the choice now is a video presentation versus social distancing and mask wearing witnesses, the equation for effective presenting and listening is really quite different. 
Agreed. It's a complex puzzle. Each change intended to address COVID-19 presents presentation and substantive choices. The changes to maximize safety will likely be extensive. Different courtrooms, different jury boxes, different deliberation rooms, different rules, and as we've said, different jurors. So many modifications that influence your strategy and risk assessments are going to have an effect going forward. So why rely on old assumptions in this new landscape? You need to build a new map given this new territory. And I would suggest it should be data-driven. Adapt or perish is a frequent saying. So use your time as an opportunity, not just a challenge. An opportunity to develop new strategy, to test your assumptions, and to see going forward how the new normal is going to influence your new data-driven approach to your case. So you spoke of social distancing and video. You know, jury service is a group activity in which, you know, small group between six and 12 people spend a lot of time having what should be the same experience. What other impact might these changes have on the jury? Well, speaking from experience, and while I'm a lawyer and I may not be a typical juror, I have been impaneled on three juries and deliberated to verdict on two. And there are dynamics that are integral to effect an effective deliberation that we have to try to recreate in this pandemic era. So consider the interpersonal dynamic as the jurors deliberate. The four person in my trials demonstrated an intent to drop people out. And that is easier in person in close quarters where shy people could read support from co-jurors. Imagine distances when six to 12 people are spaced six feet apart trying to deliberate. A shy person could feel intimidated as if they had to speak at a conference. Jurors deliberated based on their own life experiences and filled information gaps with their own stories. Those stories, for better or for worse, will be harder for jurors to share at a distance. And then attention to jury instructions. I saw little evidence that jurors heard, understood, or remembered the law. I was able to prime jurors on what to listen for, and we asked the judges to reread the instructions. But it's harder for a reticent juror to ask about instructions if they're video or their distance. And we have to ask, How many jurors would be listening attentively if they're not sitting in live court? Julie, early in this discussion, we asked whether jury trials would survive COVID-19. And it looks like there may be fewer, but they may be different in some very important ways. But in-house counsel will still have to face the prospect of jury trials. What do you think in-house counsel and trial counsel need to be sure not to lose sight of in their post-pandemic litigations? So first, I agree with you. Jury trials will continue and they will be different. For lawyers, I think we need to focus on doing research now to understand how the trier of fact has changed. We need to understand potential jurors or in a judge trial judges and how they meet the world now. And then lawyers need to be able to communicate based on that. So that will affect the crucial thematic narrative that is developed for a case. 
So to me, this means identifying and testing case themes against key documents very early and in the context of what's learned in early jury research. Second, I think it will be really important to demonstrate respect for jurors' time and also to be focused on the ability to attract and keep jurors' attention. So that means bringing pinpointed material evidence to the trial, using it compellingly and efficiently, and think about what's going to be happening in the courtroom. The reality may be that every time somebody moves, if a case is taking place live, every time somebody moves in the courtroom, jurors are going to be estimating how far they've moved, how close they are to other people, and what their social distance is. So it's very distracting. For in-house counsel, I think the key is to select and steer trial counsel who are attuned to the issues and have taken early steps to understand them and address them. So in some, there will be jury trials in some venues sooner than others. Early assessment of fact finder attitudes and themes and anticipation of trial dynamics are most important to prepare counsel to meet the COVID-19 impact. All right. So that sums it up. Jury trials will continue. Well, you know, I'm sure this conversation could go on, but our time is up. I'd like to thank Julie Brickle and Dan Cooper for the enlightening conversation and the valuable insights they shared with us today. Be sure to join us for the next episode of H5 Explores, where we will discuss the recent surge in whistleblower investigations. If you have any questions about what you've heard today or would like H5 to explore something that's on your mind, email us at info at h5.com and we'll get back to you quickly. Your topic could be the focus of a future episode. Also, if you'd like more information about H5, visit us at www.h5.com. Until next time, I'm Kimberly Culpepper, and this is H5 Explores.